Um, we're now going to move to the closed press portion of our task force meeting, so thank you very much. Among the only press in the world that does this. Seriously. Seriously. 2024, is Biden the best candidate to represent Democrats, especially if it's a Donald Trump he's up against? You know, he's our president right now. He has experience. He has qualifications. I won't say if he's best or if he's not. I'll just say this. He has the qualifications to run. I remember when people said, should I run? Mm -hmm. um, people said no. Mm -hmm. You know, so I can't say that. All I can say is if he chooses to, to run, then that will be the nominee. Did the president tell Al Sharpton he's running? <laughs> you love asking me, Sebastian. You love asking me about 2024. Look, I hey, hey, I'm running. Here, here's what I I will say. Uh, <laughs> I know you want a clear answer. I know, we, but he's <laughs> if Al Al Sharpton says it, it's it's you know. Uh, look, um, I <laughs> you oh, it's so funny. You always ask me about 2024. Um, so here's what I can say, and the president has said this himself, he intends to run in 2024. Uh, as you know, I cannot weigh in on elections. I cannot speak to elections from here. We do, uh, we do uh, uh, truly follow and try to follow the Hatch Act here, uh, but I will just reiterate what the president has said many times, what I have said many times, is that the president intends to run. I believe that we will win the hold the house, and we will hold the house by winning more seats. Uh, we won the 40 seats, then we lost some when Trump was on the ballot. We lost some in the Trump districts, uh, but we held in, held enough seats to hold the house with him on the ballot. He's not on the ballot now. Oh, did I say his name? I didn't mean to. <laughs> We'll have the videotapes fumigated. You, perhaps you could yeah. leap that no out. Worries, okay. No worries. <laughs> it is a family show. <laughs> so when we talk about the work we are doing here together, it is recognizing that and being guided by this principle of what we must do in the spirit and in the interest of equity. It is October 5th, 2022. Welcome to The Daily Rob. You can find Rob all across the internet. Check the, all my links. It's in the description. All you have to do is click it and you'll find all of Rob's socials. And without further ado, the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Rob Smith. Still, you're looking at country. Nah, it's only make-believe. Still, if anybody messes with me, they're going to Fist City. Still, I once dated a um, Louisiana woman when I was a Mississippi man living in Tupelo. Um, still, I don't think a man should go out drinking and come home with loving on his mind. Still, you know what I'm talking about. It, it's a sad, iconic day. Loretta Lynn died today. And still, gotta say, she was everything that's great about America. A lot of these little um, fluffy puppy dog, therapy dog whiners um, we have in the new generation who go out and order $9 lattes and live off the government and complain all the time. They have no idea how hard life was for certain people. Loretta Lynn, um, her dad was a coal miner. 
she lived in a company shack. And back in those days, Stu, not only would coal miners die early and, and you know, and uh, have all kinds of industrial accidents, but they didn't have any money either. They paid for things through script. And as the song says, you know, after her dad got home from work, he farmed and, and did some other things and could barely buy a pair of shoes for his, his children. But what do they do? They rise up and they become not only, in her case, part of the middle class, but um, part of the wealthy celebrity class. And Stu, she was iconic for a number of reasons. One was all of her songs were bi biographical in which she was poor, Stu, uh, very poor. But you know what? She was appreciative of her life. What did they say in coal miner's daughter? We were poor, but we had love. That's the one thing daddy made sure of. Um, stood, this is the way America is supposed to be. I will also say she's a champion for, for, for women. No, she wasn't out there burning her bra and, um, and um, a lot of uh, left-wing nonsense. But a lot of the stories she told were stories um, of hardship and woe and disappointment that women have. Um, and often have um, because of, you know, a little bit of a patriarchal system um, of the way that men would treat them. Um, so, Stu, I can't say enough about her. God bless you, Loretta. I know you're in a better place. All right, Stu, we have talked about this before, but um, last night, uh, night before, uh, Tucker Carlson had Bob Alinsky on. There are hundreds of data points that Joe Biden was acting in in a capitalistic term, I would say the chairman. The chairman of J.P. Morgan doesn't take eight meetings down with the people, you know, analyzing companies. The chairman serves a purpose, right? He's a figurehead. He shows up in meetings, shakes hands, advises, you know, has faith in his team. Effectively, that was Joe Biden's role in the Biden family business ventures and uh, around the world. And not just my venture. I met with him uh, um, multiple times, but it's well documented. And we all know that Bob Alinsky was the one who broke the story about the Hunter Biden contacts and business deals with the CCP. Well, he told a little bit more that we, well, I think I reported on this. It had, had to be the case. But um, he says that um, Joe Biden was chairman of uh, Hunter Biden's international business dealings. He said the, the chairman of um, J.P. Morgan doesn't, you know, analyze his spreadsheets and, you know, roll up his sleeves. But what he does do is he, he, he learns about the deal. He gives his advice. He talks it up. He shakes hands. He lets everybody know who, who he is. And he said um, that, uh, I think he said he had 15 meetings with Joe Biden talking about the business deals um, and um, that Joe Biden was um, getting paid through his son, Hunter, he also talked, I don't know if you remember, but a long time ago, I told, I told everybody how the $5 million deal that was supposed to go into Seinhawk, um, didn't go into Seinhawk. That was, that was suspicious because it was a company deal, but it went straight to one of Hunter Biden's other accounts and then went to his personal accounts. Well, if you're not going to pay a loan back, um, that's ordinary income. And that loan hadn't been paid back. Uh, and Bob Alinsky said 
that he was defrauded out of that. That mm -hmm. money was supposed to go into the entity that it was designated for, that the engagement letter said it was supposed to go for. Hunter just calls him up and effectively has it wired to his own accounts. Bob Alinsky didn't learn of this until later. He contacted Hunter a few times and he's, the emails were shown. Of course, he got no response. He called, oh, he, he contacted Jim Biden, no response. He then called him and, uh, and told him that he was defrauded. And Jim Biden says, fuck yourself. Nice. Uh, these are the people running our country, Stiff. This might not seem like a big deal, but there's Washington Post reports from an anonymous source. Again, this is a non-story that um, Trump told one of his lawyers to tell the National Archives folks that all of the documents they requested had been returned. According to the Washington Post, um, the lawyer, uh, I think his name is Cannon, told Trump that I can't say that because I'm not sure that that's true. Well, one, if all this happened, big deal. As a as a lawyer, I tell my clients things like that all the time. Is you, they're just having a discussion. But, you know, they want to make it look like something nefarious has happened. But the big scoop about this is this information comes from the government. FBI, which is not supposed to leak, leaks this stuff to the Washington Post. It just shows you how crooked they are. Uh, anyway, Stu, speaking of another fraud, we have Sandy Cortez. Uh, she likes to go by the name um, uh, AOC because it has that Latinx sound to it. But she's just as white bread as you and I are, Stu. A couple years ago, there was a fake commercial where she, not commercial, video photos of these children supposedly in steel cages. Uh, and she photoshopped that, photoshopped it um, to make it look like she was crying when she was looking at the, these, ch these children. And of course, it was alleged that these uh, steel cages were uh, where Donald Trump's administration was putting migrant children. Well, they were from the Obama administration, the picture. But she fakes this picture. Well, Stu, you know, migrants are flooding into New York City. They've got somewhat of a crisis. Mayor Adams has proposed putting a thousand person tent city in AOC's district. And guess what, Stu? She's against it. She can't have these dirty migrants anywhere near her in the Bronx. They're hypocrites, Stu. Can I go back to what you're saying? So, I, so Fox and Friends actually sent me into AOC's district to interview her constituents, and okay. it was fascinating. So first of all, there's absolutely no way that that tent, um, that that location was decided for that tent city without Mayor Adams consulting the congresswoman of that district. She knew. And yet her constituents said there was zero communication. I spoke, spoke to community leaders who said there were no community meetings to discuss this. They knew it was a flood zone before they made that decision. That is a well-known fact about that area. So she knew it was going to happen. She started to get blowback. And what did she do? She did the same thing the rich, white, liberal, secular ladies did on uh, Martha's Vineyard. She said, um, get them out of here. And that's what happened. And I think that's the thing about AOC, uh, Stuart, is that 
you know, she really is not Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She is Sandy. She thinks just like the liberal white ladies on Martha's Vineyard. And that is why last week she said, you know, abortion is an economic issue. And she, you know, frets about having kids because of the weather. And she's worried about climate change. None of her instincts um, are really about the immigrants that she claims to care about or the Hispanics that she claims to represent, as you mentioned, crying outside that detention center. As soon as it came to her neighborhood, she said, get on out. I'll tell you this, Hispanic women love their children. They love their families. They want more children. They don't want to kill them and they don't want to not have them because of the weather. They just want the government and in particular her Green New Deal war on energy, on American energy that's destroying our economy and purposely impoverishing people to end. There is a Coast Guard um, his title is Aviation Survival Technician. His name is Zach Lush or Lausch. Um, he was very heroic uh, in the Florida rescue, saved a bunch of folks. President Biden calls him up to congratulate him, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what, Stu? This guy is being drummed out of the, the Coast Guard um, because he hasn't been vaccinated. Um, He's, uh, I think in a couple weeks, he has to be out. He applied for a religious exemption, but of course they denied it. They denied all religious exemptions in all military circles because they don't believe in religions, too. The only religion they believe in is the almighty state. Karine Jean-Pierre was asked about this today. I wanted to ask, the, the president recently praised a group of Coast Guard rescue swimmers. One of them reportedly um, faces termination because he isn't vaccinated. I'm curious, given the threats that we're facing abroad, would the president ever reconsider uh, that vaccination requirement or consider issuing more exemptions? So, as you as as you can imagine, the president has the most the deepest respect uh, for the U.S. Coast Guard. Uh, that is something that. Uh, uh, you would hear from him uh, directly, uh, and the country, the president and the country are grateful for all of the U.S. Coast Guard heroes uh, that have led the effort uh, to save uh, lives in Florida. Uh, we have seen that with our very own eyes uh, these past couple of days. Uh, I would refer you specifically to the U.S. Coast Guard on this, on this issue, on this individual questions. It's not something that I would uh, comment from here, but, uh, you know, they're uh, of course, uh, have been multiple vaccination requirements, as you know, in place for quite some time. Uh, and uh, but again, I'm not going to comment here from here on an individual case. Instead, we're losing our best men in the military. And along these lines, the U.S. Army's recruitment goals are down 25 percent. Stu, why? Why would you think that, Stu? Well, one. Nobody wants to serve uh, a commander in chief who's an imbecile and who does not stand up for American national interest. You saw that in Afghanistan. Who wants to serve in an army like that? People who want to serve in the army have testosterone. They want to go serve the United States and kill people if necessary. They're badasses. That's the type of person you want to attract to the military. But still, we're recruiting totally different types of people. First of all, people who don't mind uh, undergoing wokeness training, re-education. If you're Christian, you get persecuted. Um, and let's not forget where most of the military comes from, Stu. They come from the South. They're good old boys from the South. Um, 
they constantly sponsor drag shows with children. Um, they have an anti-white initiative going on. Um, so still, it's no, it's easy to see why the military is suffering, along with all of us other 330 million people in the United States because of the imbecility and the Marxist leftist ideology of this administration. That's what I got, Stu. Sounds good. So something that is apparently happening now, and I've seen the letter that Elon Musk and his lawyers sent to the court, um, Elon is going to buy Twitter. Now, this is being kind of sold as he's caving in to Twitter and not letting Twitter, you know, hang themselves by their own rope. But I really think he just wanted to get this knocked out because he's just concerned about the state of the world. He clearly has some issues um, with everything going on in Russia and Ukraine and the escalation of that. So today he tweeted out, let's try this again. The will of the people who live in the Donbass and Crimea should decide whether they're part of Russia or Ukraine. Yes or no. And so about 60% of people say yes, but 40% say no, which is kind of alarming. You know, Elon seems to agree that people should have self-determination. And he did point out that it's, uh, it's worth noting that an outcome from this conflict is nuclear war. So he is concerned about that. And so I think he wants to be able to get on Twitter and kind of just be able to tweak things in a way that he thinks promote free speech, discussion, and some nuance. Well, Stu, I certainly think that's true. I think that, that's who he's proven to be. But I also think he sees oppor opportunity. Uh, you know, we've been dealing with Facebook uh, and the shadow banning that they've done. We've been in touch with their legal department. It's just so bureaucratic. And nobody should run a business like this. And what you see with Twitter and Facebook is you got all these millennial, uh, what, what's the new generation, uh, the 20-something? The Zoomers. Zoomers. And they run this as a political organization instead of a business that's supposed to be run for the benefit of shareholders. Because they they've been brought up in this entitlement class. It was very easy. Things that are easy generally don't have the controls that they should have. And I think Elon Musk says, good God, I can cut all these expenditures and I can enhance revenue here, there, there. I wrote a letter to Facebook the other day about us. And I'm like, you've got all this revenue that you could have, but your stock is down 63%. Your third quarter uh, revenue is down three or 4% from the year before. Why do y'all act? this way no business runs this way except for businesses run by leftist zoomers um so i think he sees an opportunity yeah i, I find the i find it really refreshing that he's going through with it again and you know it seems like twitter is a hopeful space in the wake of that and just my last story it's kind of interesting you know you see this big pop-up in interest in iran and then all of a sudden it dies back down again but things are still going on there and so Iran's supreme leader, um, Ayatollah Khamenei, he did publicly finally speak about the protest, and he was speaking to a group of police students in Tehran, and he said that he was deeply heartbroken by the death of uh, Masa Amini, who died in police custody, 
And then he proceeds to lambast the protest as a foreign plot to destabilize Iran. And that he's, and I quote, these riots and insecurities were designed by America and the Zionist regime and their employees. And so he feels like there's obviously, I'm guessing American, Israeli, and other groups, you know, putting this and kind of adding fuel to the fire. I've definitely seen some articles about um, American activists trying to help the Iranians. So it is very interesting. Obviously, we know Ayatollah Khomeini despises Israel, but I do think Israel would benefit from the destabilization. And I think America benefits from the destabilization as well. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that there are foreign actors involved. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah. But, um, I mean, his police are going around shooting him to crowds. Um, it's a serious thing going on over there, Stu. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, just whenever these kind of movements happen, they can fall off the news really quickly. And then a lot of people are left kind of in the wake of the destruction of that after they've been gassed up by, oh, America is interested in this and wants to help us. Uh, yeah, they lose steam after a while. Um, the media pushes the story and then, you know, just as many people are, are, are being killed, but they move on to, to something else to sell newspapers. We're people of substance here. Rob is right, Stu. Yeah, but that's all I got for today. All right, Stu, I'm going to go to the Honky Tonk, have a PBR, put a nickel in the jukebox, and listen to some Loretta Lynn. Hell yeah. Sounds like a plan. I'll All catch right. you later. See ya. Bye. Later. When I was born to coal miner's daughter Shovel coal to make a poor man's dog.